Welcome to our podcast, Who Isn't Fucking Crazy? He's Doug Engelman, visiting assistant professor in sociology at UNCW. And she is Stacy Colomer, director of the School of Social Work at UNCW. And we are here to answer the question, Who isn't fucking crazy? today is Christine, who is a second-year MA student at UNCW in criminology, and uh, she and I are working together on a directed independent study related to youth, mental illness, juvenile delinquent mental illness, as well as potentially involving some study of college students and uh, substance abuse. Christine, welcome to the program. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Let's start off with a, a basic question we ask all of our guests initially who have talked about having a mental disorder, which you shared with me. And I know it can be difficult, but it would be helpful if you could think back to when you first began to notice how your behavior was beginning to change and tell us about that experience. Um, so I'm not entirely sure when I first noticed that my behavior was changing. Um, because I'm, so I'm diagnosed with bipolar 2, and I wasn't really sure what that was until a little over a year ago. That's when I started noticing, like, hey, it might have this. So I'm not sure when I, like, actually started noticing that something was wrong. I think that I always thought it was just part of my ADHD, which I started noticing when I was about, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. Can I ask you if you had a, uh, a formal diagnosis of ADHD at that age, or was it just you're experiencing something that you didn't, weren't sure that it was? Um, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was about 15. Okay. Um, I just want to uh, to back up a little bit, because much of this conversation is going to be about mental illness and, and coping with it um, and coping within your family. But what else would you like to share about yourself? Um, how can our audience get to know you a little bit better? So I am 26. I'm a graduate student. Um, I do struggle with ADHD and I do have bipolar, so that's definitely a struggle within my study. Uh, I come from a pretty big family where I have four other siblings. I do have a mom. My dad passed away, so that definitely affected my mental illness as well. Um, I'm from Iceland and I came to the U.S. about almost six years ago to do my undergraduate degree. Um, I got my undergraduate degree in sociology in 2018 and then I took a couple years off and then I decided I wanted to get my master's in uh, criminology. And, And what do you hope to do after you finish your master's in criminology? I'm not entirely sure. I do want to work with, uh, like, you know, delinquency, something related to that. And then I'm really interested in substance use and mental health issues and stuff like that. So I kind of want to combine all those three together and work something with that. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us about your experiences with treatment, both for ADHD as well as your bipolar 2? Um, so I've been on medication for 
suffered my ADHD since I was 15. They have helped a lot, uh, especially when I'm in school. I feel like I don't function enough if I'm not on the wall in school. So I don't think that I would be in my, um, doing my graduate degree if I wasn't on the medication. So the treatment for that has definitely helped a lot. Uh, the treatment for bipolar, I just started being, I actually just started that treatment um, a little less than a year ago when I got diagnosed. So that one has been more up and down than my ADHD treatment. It's definitely helping, it's definitely making me more stable. Um, but I do kind of get like the feeling that I miss being not like I feel like I could function off the medication too, which is not true. I just kind of get in that state when at like at times. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the treatment is very helpful. It's making me stable, which is definitely something that I need. But it does have downsides as well. I'm going to go a little off script. Okay. I don't know how Doug is going to feel about that. But, right. you know, it's exciting to talk to you because you you have um, this unique experience of living both in Iceland and the U.S. And I'm wondering what are the differences and approaches to both your ADHD and to your bipolar diagnosis? Um, with the ADHD, so I was lucky enough to get diagnosed before I turned 18. I'm not sure how it is in the U.S., but if you get diagnosed before you're 18, it's much more easier and the treatment is much more accessible. So for me, it was never really a problem. Um, when I'm in the U.S. and need to get my medication, it is kind of a problem because I have to somehow get like a formal letter off my diagnosis and translate it to um, so that the doctor in the U.S. can see it, which has been an issue. Because it's, I mean, these are something that are abused all the time, so it's kind of hard to get that translated, the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the bipolar, I haven't really had an experience with that here in Iceland, because I got diagnosed less than a year ago and this is my first time home since I got diagnosed. But I do know that the medication that I'm on is not available here. Oh, so are you receiving medication from the States then or do you, did you come back with your uh, a supply, if you will? Um, so I got like enough, uh, I got a prescription for enough to get me through the summer. Mm-hmm. I knew that this medication wasn't available here, so they just kind of, she was able to write me like a 90-day prescription that I was able to take with me home. I'm interested in how culturally people in your country accept or receive individuals with a diagnosis of mental illness versus people in the United States. You've had experience with both, I take it. so. Can you kind of compare and contrast how culturally it is uh, received? So just overall, there's a lot of culture difference between Iceland and the U.S. I feel like for bipolar, it's, it's not as known here. It's more, I feel like it's more accepted, but people don't recognize 
recognize it as much. Like, I do have a friend who's diagnosed with the same thing, and she was just put on antidepressants, which I'm not sure if that's common in the U.S. as well, but she didn't go on any medication specifically for bipolar. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's, it's not as recognizable, but it's accepted still. Like, when I tell people I have it, they're, they're very accepted of it. How has your family responded to it? Um, I was actually just recently talking to my mom about it. She has no idea what this exactly is. Because she, she just doesn't, she said that she doesn't really understand what it is because she doesn't know. Um, and I have never, she mentioned that I haven't really talked to her about it, which is, probably on me a little bit that I haven't brought it up. I told her that I was diagnosed, but I haven't actually sat down with her and had that conversation like, this is what it is, this is what, this is what it does. Um, and because she's not too familiar with it, what bipolar is, she just, she never really noticed it as a problem. She just always connected it to my ADHD and my depression. How about your siblings? Um, when I told my brother, he was not surprised about it. He's, he's actually he's a very chill person, so he didn't really say much. He just wasn't he wasn't surprised. I guess he kind of figured that something was going on. But I feel like uh, I've always had a good way of hiding this from my family because it's something that I always blamed on my ADHD. I was like, you know, this is this is part of ADHD, so I always kind of hid this from my family mm-hmm. for some reason. How about in your friend group, and both speak to both when you're here in the U.S. and also in Iceland. Do you talk about it with friends, and is there, if you do talk about it with friends, is there a difference between your friends in Iceland and your friends in the U.S.? How do you make decisions about who to share it with and what you tell them? Um, I think one of the things about my cool people is that we do all share a lot. So I definitely share this with a lot of my friends. If I feel like I can trust them, I can tell them about it. But I think one part of being both diagnosed with ADHD and bipolar is that you kind of tend to share more than you have to share. So I'm lucky enough to have a lot of good friends that I can trust, but not I can, I do have enough friends that um, I can trust and tell this to. And like I said, one of my friends here in Iceland, she's diagnosed with the same thing, so she's very understanding of it, and we can relate to a lot of things. And then my friends in the U.S., they are also very understanding of it as well, and a lot of them kind of relate to it as well. So I kind of, I feel like I find my friends who are very similar to me for some reason that I'm not really (laughs) sure why. But they're all, they've all been very understanding of it, and they have noticed the difference with the taking on medication. Mm-hmm. And the person who has noticed the most difference is probably my boyfriend. He, he actually, we talk about this a lot. Um, every time I tell him, like, I want to get off my meds, he, says, he tells me, no, like, that's not, you're not really, uh, he feels like I'm more of myself on my meds. Mm. Have you had, uh, I think you mentioned to me at one point that you had some uh, 
other family members that have been diagnosed with something. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? So my family members are mostly, I do have family members there are diagnosed with depression. Uh, I don't really have family members who are diagnosed with bipolar or anything like that. My sister diagnosed with, she's diagnosed with ADHD as well. Um, my brother, he, he has severe depression. And then I think with my mom and my other family members, they just haven't really, they, they haven't been formally diagnosed with anything. If you could make changes in the way people with um, mental illness are diagnosed or, and are treated, what would they be? Um, I would want it to be more accepted. I wish people would understand it more. That, um, especially with bipolar, that when you that you do have these different moods, like you go very low and then you go very high. And a lot of people don't really understand that. They think you're just happy and sad, but it's much more than just being happy and sad. And then I think this is something that my friends are very understanding of, but I think for a lot of people, when you do get in your manic phase, and you get overly um, social. Whereas when you're depressed, you're not social at all. And I think that comes with a lot of What are some of your biggest challenges um, dealing with people, coping with uh, your own diagnosis? Um, I think a lot of it is that people, because I'm so good at hiding it, people don't tend to believe it as much as I would want them to. For me, it wasn't a huge deal getting it diagnosed because I finally had something like this is why I am the way I am. Um, so it explains a lot. So I think like just because I'm so good at hiding it and people have a hard time believing that I have a when I'm diagnosed with bipolar because I'm not like I'm not the stereotypical one, like the bipolar one. I think so I think a lot of people see bipolar as just bipolar one, which is the worst of your kind. Mm-hmm. Where you go we do a lot of the things, but everything's worse here. So the impulsivity is very severe with bipolar one. So I think a lot of people see bipolar as just one type of bipolar, where you, where you just go completely crazy, which it isn't necessarily what it is. Do you have thoughts on how you can, as an individual, reduce the level of stigma that people with disorders, uh, diagnoses, experience through your own interactions with others? For me, I, I try to be open about it. Like for me, it's when I tell people that I am diagnosed with it, it's not really to tell them about it, it's more like so that they can understand how, like why I am the way I am. 
So for me, it's helped a lot to really stigmatize open up with people. Well, just start explaining what it is. They seem to be more open-minded about it. And like I said, people don't really understand it, but once you explain to them, they get more, they feel like they kind of want to be more involved with what it is, especially if it's coming from uh, someone that they're talking to, like, and it's somebody who is yeah. non-threatening to them and that will help them feel uh, less desire for social distance and so on, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So if it's coming from, if they see it coming from someone who um, just seems like the... Because I feel like a lot of times people think of it as like will act like you're crazy, you know. They see it as like crazy people, crazy personalities. But then they talk to people. I know a lot of people who have it who don't like who people don't expect because they don't they have this image of people being completely crazy right. in their mind. And they're not acting crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They want they they expect you to act crazy but it's yeah. What advice would you give to a, a, a family member or, or someone you know who's been newly diagnosed? I would say be patient because especially if they're trying all, trying new medication, it takes time for the medication to work. For me, it took it took a lot. It took a lot out of me for to find the right dosage. Um, so I think being patient is one of the biggest things you can do and just show compassion. Like your body is going through a lot when they're when it's trying new medications. So you will change a little bit. Like for me when I tried it, I was very irritated. I was very sleepy. I slept maybe fourteen hours a night. And that wasn't really my fault. That was just me trying new medications. And so I think just being mindful that someone is being diagnosed, they're going through a lot at the time that they're being diagnosed, they're also learning about their diagnosis as well, because I imagine, I imagine that a lot of people who are like me, um, we see it as like, they finally have something like on paper that explains why they are the way they are, and that takes the time to get used to, like you have this in front of you. Uh, you have this diagnosis in front of you, and it finally explains why you're acting the way you are. So that just, I think it just takes time. So I think patience is a really big thing when you're new with diagnosis. Well, that's a great point. I, I have another question, but this is this is can relate to all of your experience. Um, what do you think the college campus can do better? And, and I mean that both as someone who has been diagnosed recently uh, with a mental illness, but also as someone coming from another country. What are things that either UNCW or any college campus in the States could be doing better to help someone acclimate? I actually have a good experience with the UNCW campus and their take on this. The only thing that I have that I think I wish would be easier would be better availability because you do have to wait a long time to get to see like a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you 
you don't have to wait a long time to see like a regular doctor, but for psychiatrists, you may have to wait a long time. But they can make themselves available once you're there. But for the initial appointment, it takes a long time. So I wish that they were a little bit more available for people who are just starting to get through the process of being diagnosed. Um, what about uh, an aspect of student education with regard to letting students in general know more about uh, the prevalence of mental illness on campus? Um, actually, I have not seen a lot about education on mental, illness, mental illnesses on campus, so I wish that they would have more of that. And I wish that they would have including more mental illnesses than just like depression and anxiety because there, there is so much more than that. So we thought they would educate people on like, let's say bipolar or Schizophrenia, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Kind of offer more education, um, advertise themselves a little bit more for, for like, that they're available. But I've had the experience with them, but I do wish that they offer more education. Is there anything you'd like to add that we might have missed? I don't think so. I feel like a lot of people feel that what they do have is diagnosis disorders, mental health challenges. Yeah. That is the one word that I continue to use in my classes, that if we could somehow normalize those conditions, it would reduce stigma and people would be more comfortable in their, their own skins, so. Yeah, like I said, I feel like there's nothing wrong with being mentally ill. It's just people have put a label on it that it's bad to be mentally ill, but using that word and using that explanation on it, I don't think, I don't think it should be bad. You should be able to use that and then be comfortable with it. Well said. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Uh, what a highly informed interview this was. We really appreciate it. Uh, coming all the way from, how many miles away is Iceland from Wilmington, North Carolina? Um, it is about 3,000 miles. Okay. Miles. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time, sharing your very personal experiences with us. I know that can be difficult, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. Special thanks to our wonderful engineer, Michael Magnanti. Thank you to the Department of Sociology and Criminology and the School of Social Work for their incredible support. We love you guys. 
thank you to all our listeners. And don't forget to check out our next episode. Bye now. Take care.